0: Welcome back to another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast on jconline.com through SoundCloud. Mike Carman covers the Boilermakers for jconline.com and the Lafayette Journal and Courier Newspaper. And sometimes I make an appearance in the Indy Star when uh, they feel my words are worthy enough to to put in their print publication, uh, which is not all the time. Uh, They really have to go through and examine those, come through all the words to make sure that it's up to their standards. Uh, of what they're trying to do because I'm just some some peon in Lafayette that's uh, providing some uh, Purdue content uh, for them okay that was a rant that probably didn't need to be said but hey it's been said so we'll move on uh, a little late on the podcast uh, this uh, this time uh, and it's simple explanation that while I'm a master at driving and doing this podcast or talking into a phone, while I'm very good at it, after home games, and, and some road games, that trying to navigate Brooklyn, New York City, and New Jersey while trying to do this probably was not the smartest thing to try. So I, I made a executive decision, uh, we, we uh, checked it over with the board of directors, And decided just to wait till I was driving back from Indianapolis after landing at at the airport. So that's the reason it's a little bit late. Apologize. Sorry. uh, But I can't believe that any of you would send your lives around this thing. Uh, But to each their own. Alrighty, so what's the biggest takeaway from the 82-72 overtime victory by Purdue at North Carolina State? Well, I mean, outside the individual performances of Travion Williams, who was terrific, uh, he just had a just a monster line. I would expect him to be named Big Ten Player of the Week. Uh, maybe get a maybe get a National Player of the Week nod for the line that he had. Now you also have to factor in that they lost at Rutler, Rutgers. Usually, teams that lose the the players don't get recognized uh, that much. So there's there's that little. Asterisk toward toward everything. So he may not get some some individual awards that he, he would normally get. But he he was terrific. He carried them uh, in all phases. It just wasn't scoring. It was rebounding. It was uh, nine assists. I mean, come on. He's a, he, we we all know what a great passer he is. Uh, but to have nine assists in that game. Four blocks. Uh, a couple steals. Um, I mean, he was he was everywhere. And really, really, really solidified uh, Purdue winning that game. But you had others. You had Mason Gillis hit the boards hard, cleaned up a lot of missed shots. Uh, Sasha Stefanovic, 12 points in the second half and overtime, uh, started out cold, but you know tied the game with a kind of a runner in the lane that was supposed to be a three-point shot, but he didn't feel comfortable doing it, uh, and then hit the three-pointer to start overtime, and Purdue was never looked back. Ethan Morton played solid. Uh, He had a a plus 24 on the plus minus, uh, which means that with Morton on the floor, you know, Purdue outscored uh, North Carolina State by 24 points. Not just him, but uh, he he played a role in that. Uh, So Purdue got really good individual contributions from a lot of guys that allowed them to come back from 13 points down to even force over time, to even sniff over time. It's probably a game they should have lost when you when you look at it. But that's one of those games as you as you go throughout the season that you can lean on and say, well, you know, came back from this deficit, you know, uh, they can come back from another one. Um, you know, this team has experience, but when you saw at the end of the game who was on the floor, the most experienced players were on the floor at the end of the game. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's a lot of players on this to be honest. Uh, but not all of them, but mo- mo- most of the players were, uh, you know, you're looking at seniors, Williams, Stefanovic, and Hunter. Hunter. Eric Hunter had a, had a solid game, kind of helped mani- manage Purdue, through some rough spots there. Uh, but then, you know, you, you just had your, your experienced guys closing this game out or at least getting it to overtime so it could be closed out. Uh, so that, 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 that was a positive for them. But the, you know, the biggest takeaway for me for this game is, is not, uh, really what happened. It's what, what probably will happen and probably what should happen out of this game is that, uh, I, I would expect some lineup changes and some rotation adjustments, uh, from Painter. I mean, you, you could have, you could have a ma- you, you could have you can make two or three starting lineup changes uh, based on this one game, or based on what what's been happening the last two and a half games or so. You know, I, I can I can see Mason Gillis starting at the four. You know, Caleb First has been, you know, he's kind of disappeared the last couple games. Uh, whether you know whether that's him, whether that's the opponent, uh, he's still a really good player. He's, he will be a good player, but. He got off to such a good start. He's kind of, uh, you know, he's trailed off a little bit. I, I could see Travion Williams starting uh, in place of Zach Eadie. Now, you know, in their case, does it matter? Not really. Um, but, you know, Eady's missed some some makeable shots early in the game that would have gotten Purdue off to a better start. Maybe Travion hits those and you're not off to a slow start like you have been the last couple games uh, so I could see that change uh, the other one uh, I could see would be Eric Hunter for Isaiah Thompson uh, you know the other two, Stefanovic and Ivy I think are pretty well set, but I could see three changes I, and I, Matt Painter Matt may not change anything but he sounded like a coach that okay you know, and it, 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 it's a good it's a good spot to kind of evaluate what, what you've seen in these first ten games because you're at kind of the 10-game mark. You're going in the finals. You don't play till Saturday. you got a chance to sit back and really evaluate who's doing what for you, what the production levels are. Does this guy need... Does this one player need to play more than the other? Are we getting enough out of player A, but we're not getting enough out of player B? Uh, You know, he's still going to play 10 10 guys, I think. I mean, I I don't think you're going to see the rotation go from Ten to seven, but it could get that way in the second half, where you're not using all ten guys in the second half. Uh, so I, I would I would anticipate some changes uh, coming up Saturday, and that gives you three games to kind of get whatever changes you want to make set uh, and, and going in the right direction because you got Butler. You got Incarnate Word. You got Nickel State. Three games that Purdue should win, uh, and then you, you're, you're you're right back into Big Ten season. And you know if you make starting lineup changes, it doesn't mean Zach Eady won't play. It doesn't mean Taylor First won't play. It doesn't mean uh, Isaiah Thompson won't play. And you know Painter could change other things too. Uh, you know the one player I kind of worry about right now, which you can see his minutes really dropping off, is Brandon Newman. Um, you know, Brandon Newman's probably going 100 miles an hour when he's in the game, knowing he's going to have limited minutes. And, and when you talk to Brandon Newman, he understands, or at least he says the right things as far as, you know, you got to make the most of the minutes you have. You don't need to go so fast. You... Uh, you know, you, you don't need to put 20 minutes of play into five minutes, but right now Brandon Newman's not hitting three pointers for you. He's really not bringing a lot of value uh, to the lineup. So, uh, you know, I think the, Purdue needs to kind of evaluate where he's at. You know what are, what other areas can he help them in, and can he can he bring can he bring himself to help Purdue? In some of those other areas, other than shooting, you now when he gets, yeah, I mean, he, when he gets rolling with his shot, he's one of the best in the country. But uh, he was over four, I believe, on uh, Sunday. And they're quick shots. They're they're almost borderline turnovers because they happen pretty quick in the shot clock, or they're just they're, the ball's coming to him, and then the offense is stopping. Uh, so. You know, I, I, again, this is a, you know, 10 games, chance to evaluate, step back, look at the big picture. You know, how's Purdue going to be moving forward? What does Purdue need from all 10 players as, as it gets back into the Big Ten season starting in January? Because that's, that's kind of where you're aiming at right now. And you got these three games coming up that will, uh, kind of, they, they should, allow you to lead into that first game against uh, Wisconsin after the first of the year, because I believe it goes Wisconsin, Penn State, and then uh, the big one with Michigan uh, coming up after uh, the national championship football game. But, you know, Purdue has an opportunity here to kind of, you know, just really self-evaluate where it's at. And what it's going to need to to win the Big Ten, because I, you know, they're they're still, you know, they're they're still the front runner to win the Big Ten. Yeah, they're still a good team. You know, when you when you look at it from a big picture perspective standpoint, you know, they lost on the last second eve inside of half court, and it's not to diminish the kind of game that Ron Harper had or the shot that he hit. He hit a great shot. He did he did everything right. Purdue did everything right at the end. As far as trying to defend him and not foul, uh, they had two guys around him. He does a euro step, and he hits a great shot. But that's that's one shot away from you know Purdue potentially being undefeated right now. Now, you know I'm a I'm a big I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason. So if Purdue would have beat Rutgers, does that mean they would have beat North Carolina State uh, in the fashion that they did? You, know, you have no idea. And you don't know how the game plays out if Purdue beats Rutgers. Does Purdue get off to a better start? Because they're coming off the a bit of a high of, of beating Rutgers at the last second uh, and keeping their number one ranking. So, I mean, you don't know. You can do the ifs, ands, and buts all you want. But the bottom line is, Purdue's 9-1. It's a record that when you look at who they've played in the first 10 games, when you look at... North Carolina. You look at Villanova. You look at Florida State. You look at Iowa. You look at Rutgers. You look at North Carolina State. You know they're they're nine and one, and probably if you'd have if you'd have mapped out a nine and, you know a ten game uh, uh, synopsis at the beginning of the year, if you took the first ten games, I bet a lot of people came up with nine and one, eight and two. So they're they're right where they need to be, should be. Uh, from a record standpoint, they just got to get a lot of things straightened out, uh, cleaned up areas. Uh, when you when you start looking at turnovers, uh, and then defensively, they, they've they've just got to find a way to be better defensively. Um, because what we've seen is when they don't shoot the ball well, uh, these other areas that they're not doing very well in become exposed. When they're not shooting the ball well, they're not a great. Uh, you know their 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 lack of uh, defense, defensive intensity, and uh, issues on defense, you know, become magnified. And Purdue didn't shoot the ball particularly well Sunday. You know, in the second half they were 15 and 26, uh, but they didn't uh, they didn't shoot the ball particularly well. So some other areas get exposed. But this is a, you know this is a good shooting team, and they're going to have nights when they when they are shooting well. Uh, and they're going to need to outscore some teams unless they get their the, the defensive uh, situation straightened out. Uh, so a lot to work on. It's finals week. How much they get done from a practice standpoint uh, will be interesting to see because you have different practice times because of finals and all that kind of stuff. So uh, things get a little out of, out of sync during finals week, or at least they have in the past. Um, but we'll see. But uh, th- that's kind of what I'd be looking for here coming up is, you know, potentially some lineup changes, uh, different rotations. You know, how can how can these players? Um, you know, what's the best way to use these players, and you know, in the minutes that the, that they have. And it, a lot of times you're just going to ride the hot hand as they as they've been doing. Uh, but other 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 decisions will be made. You know, maybe with uh, a little bit of a long term look at, at what's going on. Uh, so, you know, we'll see we'll see kind of what happens uh, coming up Saturday against Butler and what that means for this uh, team uh, moving forward. Uh, on a football note, uh, in case you missed it, Aiden O'Connell announced uh, Monday morning that he will return uh, to play a six year. Uh, for Purdue, that's good news for the quarterback situation. That gives Purdue a bona fide starter going into the 2022 season. Um, and as you know, Jack Plummer's already decided to go in the portal, but he's going to stay. He's going to hang around and uh, still practice and be available at the bowl game. But you know, Purdue for the first time or one, one, a few times during Jeff Brom's tenure is uh they 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 know their starting quarterback uh going into the the 2022 season doesn't mean there won't be competition there doesn't mean there won't be you know a lot of eyes in training camp to make sure that O'Connell's winning the job uh, because you know Jeff just doesn't hand the quarterback job to anybody but the way O'Connell has played the second half of the year um this is good news for the offense good news uh for the team in general, that it's a position you don't have to worry about. It's a position that you should not have to go into the transfer portal and try to fix. Uh, but what does this mean for the rest of the quarterback room? Because you have Austin Burton, who I believe still has a year left of eligibility. Uh, you've got Michael Alemo, who hasn't played yet, other than a few snaps against Connecticut. Connecticut. Uh, you've got the incoming uh, freshman Brady Allen from Gibson Southern, who will be here in January. And but what when you go when you get beyond O'Connell, you know what does the rest of the room look like? I think it's pretty you know pretty certain Brady Allen will be part of that mix. But does Burton and/or you know, look at the situation and say, well, that's another year that I'm not going to play? and do they look for an opportunity to to maybe go somewhere else and you know get their career going when when it's not going to happen at Purdue this year. You know Purdue Purdue has to have backup quarterbacks. It's just part of it. They've had too many injuries at that position. You just can't wing it there. Uh, and no program can just wing it. Uh, but you know you have to go through spring practice a little bit to see if Brady Allen was even you know, capable of handling being in a backup role. Um, and, you know, that'll, that'll tell some of the story. But, you know, it's, to me, that it's really going to be interesting to see how how that part of the equation plays out. Um, because, uh, you know, guys want to play. I mean, you know, there's no question about it. Guys want to play, and, um, you know, if they feel like they're not going to get that opportunity, they're going to, they're going to move on somewhere and do it. And you know, no different than Jack Plummer. You know, you know Jack Plummer wants to play somewhere, doesn't see it's going to happen at Purdue. And you know, wants that, wants that chance, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's why some of these rules have been changed uh, over the years and they should have been changed giving the players the the, the the freedom to move. You know, just like coaches coaches move you know they break contracts and they move on, and there's no penalty for them. But if players want to do it, there's a penalty for them and all that kind of stuff. But now that playing field's been evened out a little bit. So uh, O'Connell will be back. You know, uh, Purdue started bowl preparations. Uh, they practiced over the weekend. Uh, they'll be practicing this week. We'll have some uh, availability uh, with some players uh, this week. I would expect. Some sort of official uh, indication uh, that that David Bell and George Croft just won't play in the bowl game. I think that's been known uh, for a long time, ever since kind of the the season ended and when they both declared for the uh, you know the NFL draft. Uh, although they didn't mention it, you know that's the direction that it that that it should be headed. So I mean Purdue, in all likelihood, and again nothing's been officially said yet, but in all likelihood, Purdue will be without two of its best players for the bowl game. Again, that's just part of it. That's just how it works. Uh, You can disagree all you want. Uh, You're not in their shoes. You're not in their family's shoes. Uh, Each one probably has different reasons why they don't want to play in the bowl game, but the best best advice I can give you, (laughs) it's just wish them well. You know, they, they did a lot for Purdue football. You know, they can do a lot for Purdue football in the future. Uh, and they'll, they'll represent Purdue well uh, in the NFL. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's a shame in a way, but um, that's, that's just what the era we live in now. And, um, you know, it's not, you know, it's, it's up to everybody to, to adapt to what's going on around them as opposed to being upset that two guys are not going to play uh, in a bowl game. Purdue would be much better off if both of them played uh, against Tennessee, but you know, it gives opportunities to, to other players to step up and see where they stand and uh, give them an opportunity to, uh, to maybe uh, get some notice going into the 2022 season. And we can explore that, those kind of things, as we get through the month of December. Uh, heading up to, uh, the bowl game. Alright, so sorry for the lateness of the podcast, but I think I spelled out my reasons and, uh, uh, I think they're legitimate. Uh, and if you don't think so, you know, uh, that's your opinion. But, uh, I know what I can and can't do and driving through New York City and trying to talk and concentrate on the road and also try to think what the hell am I gonna say. Uh, just would not have worked for me. But you have it now. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Uh, obviously, questions, comments, concerns, uh, DM me or email or communicate in any way that you feel necessary, uh, to get to me. And then we'll take it from there. Alright, well, we appreciate you stopping by and, uh, we'll, we'll do updates as we need, uh, as needed. Uh, obviously, the next opportunity would be after the basketball game uh, on on Saturday against Butler. But if if, uh, if things warrant where we need to we need to talk about it, then we will. Uh, if we get news uh, before then, or an issue pops up that we need to that we need to get on the pod about, uh, we'll we'll do that. Otherwise, uh, have a good day, and again, thanks for thanks for stopping by.